the uh, chapter 14, 15, 16, 17 are Jesus' last words before he goes to the cross. They're his last words to his disciples. No. Not even going to mention it. All right, so right here he's talking about he's the vine, he's the branches. Jesus, all right, just background, he's dropped some hard news on them, right? I'm leaving, and so the, I'm leaving, and, huh? Yeah, track with me. I'm leaving, he said, I'm leaving, I'm going away, I'm going to my father. One of y'all is going to betray me, he told Peter, you're not even going to, uh, you know, you're not going to make it through the night before you deny me. And of course, they're all worried, then he says, you know, let not your heart be troubled. I'm leaving a comforter that God's going to send a comforter to uh, be with you. I won't leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. That's what we saw last week. And so in this first part of chapter 15, we're going to talk about living as his disciples. Uh, He is going to instruct them about power for living. He's going to instruct them about the purpose for their living. He's going to instruct them what are they to be doing and how they're to live while he is gone. And so in their minds, what's going to happen, Jesus is about to leave. And so Jesus is instructing them about what's going to be taking place while he's gone. And it's... uh, it's useful for us because basically it's, it's going to be talking about the Christian life and about how we live the Christian life. And in these first, especially these first four or five verses, if people would just grab a hold of what he's saying here, so many of our problems would be taken care of by themselves. So many of our issues of life, so many things go on that just, you know, I just can't understand why this is happening or why, how come I don't have this joy? How come I don't have so many of those things to be taken care of, which is, it's kind of sad that like eight people's in the kitchen. They're not going to be able to hear this because I was excited to come and show you what Jesus said here. Uh, but if, no, no, it's okay. They're just going to miss this God and keeping them in there for a reason. So. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So anyway, if they would just understand, if we would just understand what Jesus is saying right here, these are these verses are so deep and they're so important. Um, we may not get too far, but I really want you to grab a hold of these because in this is the essence of the Christian life and what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. So let's just read just the first two verses. We can stop there. Just say it says in verse 15, in verse one it says, "I am the true vine." And my father is the husbandman, which means the gardener, the, the caretaker. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth, purgeth it. So that it may bring that it may bring forth more fruit. Now, what you see here is Jesus says, "I'm the vine." Picture it in your mind, like a I guess picture a grapevine. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches on the vine. And the Father is the one who comes and He prunes the branches. He takes care of the branches. He's the guy walking through, making sure nothing's going wrong with the the branches and all that. The purpose of the branches is to bear fruit. That's why you're here, to bear fruit. I am here on this planet. I have not been miracled up to heaven uh, because I am supposed to bear fruit. The purpose of life is to bear fruit for Christ. What's some of the fruit that we bear for Christ? Both of those are exactly correct. It's not just, it's good works. We do good works that you'd be fruitful in every good work. 
But it's not just that. It's the fruits of the Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So it's not just, it's working for the kingdom in the, in the world, uh, seeking and saving the people that are lost, uh, building up your brethren, just all the kind of good works you can imagine, all those things. That's bearing fruit for God. But also, you're bearing fruit for God just as He is changing you in your heart. You're growing in joy, you're growing in love, you're growing in peace and patience and kindness. And if those fruits are not growing in you, they're not perfect yet. So you're not perfectly joyful, you're not perfectly loving people, you're not perfectly patient yet. But if those fruits aren't growing, then you have to ask yourself some some hard questions. Because Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a branch is not bearing fruit, what happens to it? says he cuts it off. Now we'll see that in a minute. Let me go ahead and read the first six verses. And that way we'll have the whole context of what he's saying. So in verse 2 it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that bears fruit, he purgeth it. Which means to trim it, to prune it, to trim clean is the literal rendering of the word. To, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can can you except you abide in me? He's saying you cannot bear fruit unless you abide in the vine. And that's me. He says, if I am, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So he's giving you a picture of this vine. This big grapevine, we'll call it. And he's saying, I'm the vine. I'm the one who gives the nutrients. I'm the one who gives the power. I'm the one who gives the life-giving principle to the branches in order that the branches would bear fruit. We are the branches. We bear fruit, fruit for Christ. If we do not, are not bearing fruit, think of yourself as a vine owner, I guess, or whatever. If you're walking through the vine owner, how many of y'all have gardens or, or, or anything like that? The only reason I know anything about it is because of them trees that are down there on the front. Every year, Miss Lou wants to prune those trees, and I have to walk around with one of them, what they call them, whatever they are, shears. And so every every year, we have to walk down that line of trees, and we have to prune, and she tells me which branches she wants gone. I mean, she can look at it, and she can say, all right, this branch goes, this branch goes, this branch goes. And I'm thinking, if you just let these things bloom, I mean, they look fine. Let's let them grow, whatever. And her purpose behind that is because if you get the branches that are grow that are growing that are not growing as fast as the others, then the tree sprouts more. Does that make sense? You get the, the get the dead dying, the messed up branches out of the way, and it, it makes the tree grow bigger. It makes it grow taller instead of just sprouting this high off the ground and blooming. Uh, if you cut those branches close to the deal, it'll go higher and bloom higher. Does that make sense? And so he's saying the, the ones who don't bear fruit, they're cut down, taken away. They're not part of the vine. Jesus uh, gives us this life and power for living. Uh, so many times we think, I mean, it's so common to think that 
I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm, you know, I've got to perform all these works and, and why don't I have the same joy that I used to? Why don't I have the same zeal that I used to? Why, why is all these things happening? And the reality is it's not that, it's not that I'm not doing what I used to do. It's not that I have uh, changed my outlook or anything like that. It's not, it's definitely not that I've, uh, I'm, I'm growing away from believing in Christ or all those things, but I'm growing away from needing Him and leaning on Him. I call it being desperately dependent. Does that make sense? You see what I mean? What happens when you leave, He says, abide in me. You have to abide in me. You have to depend on me. You have to be in relationship and communion and and all those things with me. And if you do not abide in me, guess what? You will grow away from the vine. And what happens when you cut a branch off a vine? It withers. It starts dying immediately. It's cut off from the life-given property that the vine, the vine sends life, you know, so to speak, up through the branches and out toward the out to the fruit. And if you cut the branch off from the vine, then you're cut off from the life source. And what happens? Will that branch immediately, if you cut the branch off, does it immediately uh, wither up and turn to dust in your hand? No, it just, it's still a branch. If you cracked it open in a couple of other places, you would see green in it or whatever, the sap running through it or whatever's in a grapevine, I don't know. But it would still look like it had life, wouldn't it? For a little while. And then the days go by, it would start to wither real slowly, real slowly, real slowly. And then after weeks, months, how many ever times you'd come by, and it would just be dead and dry, laying there, useless. And it would be, it would be dead. And that's what happens with us when we... When we get away from the source of our life, which is Jesus Christ and Him crucified, it's our relationship with Him, it's our, it's our, uh, our dependence, our desperate dependence upon Him, not just for salvation, of course we depend on Him for that, but for our very lives, but for our very hearts. When we get away from Him, guess what happens? Your joy starts withering. Here at the end of this section, we're going to see Jesus says, I, I, I tell you these things so that your joy may be full and my joy may be in you. Uh, your joy starts to wither. Your love starts to wither. Your, your zeal for God starts to wither away. And you can see it and you can feel it happening. But a lot of times we see it and we just know that, you know what, I'm not as zealous for God as I once was. I'm not as on fire for God as I once was. I'm not as... You can see it happen, but we don't know the cause. We don't know the answer. And what we try to do is we try to just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to commit myself to working harder. I'm going to commit myself to, to more church attendance. I'm going to commit myself to, to whatever, to whatever it is. And the reality is you still are cut off from the life source. You're still cut off from the vine. You've cut yourself off, removed yourself from that vine. And therefore that life is not coming to you. And you can, a dead branch, a branch that's cut off from the vine, you know, I guess if branches could do things other than just lay there and look like a branch, uh, it would say, you you know, it would be like, okay, I'm going to really try hard to be a branch. I'm going to try to grow. I'm going to try to do. If it's not hooked to the vine, if it's not hooked to the tree, if it's not connected, if it's not abiding, which means living, if it's not living in that vine, it can't grow. It can't grow and it surely can't produce fruit. It can't produce love. It can't produce joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. It cannot produce those things. Now, a person could fake it for a while. You could fake it till you make it. I mean, you would never make it, but you could definitely fake it. Uh, I sound like Dr. Seuss now, but uh, you, you, you could fake it for a while. 
but eventually the struggle just gets too hard to uh, to keep up with. Does that make sense? Are y'all with me? This is kind of I'm just kind of giving you an overview of what he's talking about. Uh, when you cut off get cut off from the vine, you're withering. We're going to see how to abide in the vine in just a minute too. I'm not just going to say, "Hey, abide in the vine." Okay, let's go. We're gonna, he's going to tell us how to abide in the vine and what it means to do that. Uh, we get. Uh, I mean. <laughs> You can tell sometimes when you don't enjoy praying as much as you used to, or when you don't enjoy Bible study as much as you used to, don't enjoy worship, don't enjoy fellowship with the saints, don't enjoy the things that God has given us. Um, those are questions, when those things when those things appear, they're, they're signs that tell you, hey, you know what, you, you might need to get back, back to the vine. You might need to get back to the source. You might need to get back to those things because God has given you a new heart. If you're a saved person, He's given you a new heart, and He's made that heart to love Him. And that's the only thing that will satisfy that heart. But what do we do? We, we get sidetracked with all these other things, these worldly things, things in life, and all those things, and and they used to make us happy to go and do whatever it is we were doing. They used to make us happy to go and, and, and buy a new dress or go and build a new thing or, or make a bunch of money or you know whatever it was that's for you. And so when we turn back to those things and think that they're going to make us happy, God's given us a new heart. The only thing that will make that heart happy, the only thing that will make that heart joyful is Christ. And when we, when we don't abide in that vine, when we cut ourselves off from there, that's where our joy and our love, and our patience and our kindness and faithfulness, all those things start to fade away. All those things start to wither because you're not producing. Does that make sense? I could tell you, hey guys, you need to start loving more. And it would be true. We do need to start loving more. But in and of yourself, you can't produce love. Not like Christ commands. In and of yourself, you can't produce joy. You cannot produce faithfulness, kindness, gentleness. You can fake it for a little while. You can pretend that I'm being kind and then in your heart being like, I can't believe that sorry joker did that to me. But it's God that produces those things. Y'all with me? Yeah? Any questions or comments? No? Really? That was good. See? I thought... You aren't even in here. But, I mean, I've met people like, that have been saved for a long time, and they kind of like act like, oh, well, you're just new, so that's why you're zealous or, you know, yeah. on fire, and then they're just perfectly content to just be like... Oh, sure. I, I'm, it's like the infatuation is over, and pretty soon yeah, that's right. and fine. That's right. It's like the honeymoon. It's like the honeymoon's right. done. Yes. And the, <laughs> Yeah, and that's what, that's, yeah. That's, that's what, that's what we're trying to avoid. But, like, they get stupid that they don't even care. That's right. And the reason why people get to that point, this is just my opinion, this is what I'm thinking just from dealing with a bunch of those people is, uh, and we can be that way. I'm not just going to say it's us and them. We can do that too. And I find myself doing that and I have to catch myself from doing that. Uh, the reason that is, the reason why we get content because it's so, it's, it's hard to stay hooked to the vine. It's a struggle. It's a fight. Because my flesh, the world, Satan, they all want to take me from 
the vine. Does that make sense? They don't want me to go. I mean, I have no temptation to go rob banks or go kill people with an axe. Okay, well, maybe that one sometimes. But I have no temptation to do just these horrible things and whatever. The temptation that comes to me most often is, you know what? You deserve a break. Just sit down and take it easy. Don't worry about it. You know, you don't have to go to church every single time. You don't have to read your Bible tonight. You don't have to pray. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, do something else. Think of something else. You deserve it. Take a break. Be comfortable. I mean, you work hard. You need this. You know, those are the things that tempt me. And so it's a struggle to keep myself focused on Christ, to keep myself uh, abiding in what he's done for me, to keep myself, you know, loving him with all my heart, mind, soul and strength as much as I'm able. And after a while, it just gets exhausting. And so sometimes, sometimes it's easier just to say, you know what, forget the, you know, it's, it's just easier for me to lay back and play the part than it is to actually follow hard after Christ and seek after Christ and, and live this Christian life of struggle, live this life of doing those things. Does that make sense? Because it's easier just to say, you know what, praise God, I'm saved, I'm just going to sit here and... You know, if something gets done at the church, they'll handle it. You know, if something needs, if somebody has a pressing need, you know, one of my brethren that are here in the church, somebody else will handle it. You know, I just, it's just easier. It's easier. And I got news for you. The older you get, the harder it's going to be. The temptation doesn't go away. It gets harder. Because once you get older in age, like, you know, like. Huh? Yeah, when you get older, no, I'm talking about when you think about it, when you get, you know, around getting close to retirement age or right in there in retirement age, that's the biggest temptation you have. You know what? I done done my part. I done done it. I deserve a break. I deserve to take my time. I deserve, you know, I've done all the things that I'm supposed to do. So the more that you do, the more the temptation is to, to, um, I don't want to say break communion with Christ, but to just stop depending on Him so much. Does that make sense? To just stop. De- we, we have a tendency, if everything's rocking right along and everything's going great in life, and it, we have a tendency just to think that, you know, I got it going on. I don't really have a need. I don't really need. But then if something happens, the bottom falls out. Uh, somebody gets sick. Some tragedy happens. Then... God puts us back on our face. I do need you. I do need you. And so Jesus is telling them there, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And if you don't abide in me, if you don't stay hooked to the vine, he's using the vine as an illustration. If you don't stay hooked to the vine, your joy is going to wither. Your zeal is going to wither. Your patience is going to wither. Your love is going to wither. All of that is going to wither away and it's going to eventually die. And if there is not some kind of chastisement, some kind of discipline that brings you back and turns your heart back toward me, then it says those that don't bear fruit are just cut, cut off and thrown into the fire. Those that are withering on the vine, so to speak, are cut off from the life that, that Jesus gives. Uh, the branch that withers on the vine is not connected to the life source of the vine. And that's why the gardener comes along and chops it off. Does that make sense? All these dead branches on these trees... There is something in there that has cut them off from life, from getting the nutrients or the whatever that the the tree gives them. And so in order for the tree to grow, in order for fruit to be produced, in order for it to bloom, somebody's got to come along and cut that branch off because it's dead. It looks like it's part of the tree. It looks like it's part of the vine, but it's not really part of the vine because it's not getting life from the vine. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Okay, now you're talking sense. 
Now I'm talking sense? Okay. Well, not only when you wither. Was I not before? Does it die? And you look at it from the analogy of these sheep and they also crumble. You know, a, a, a branch that's cut off of a tree, if you leave it laying there, you go back five or six days later, it's, it crumbles in your hand. Mm-hmm. Just because it's dead. Yes. Yeah, it's dying. And a true Christian never wants to crumble. I don't I definitely don't want to crumble. Well, he says, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. He, well, let me go back. I'm sorry. In verse 2, he says, every branch that bears fruit, that's us. That's what we want to be anyway. That's the true Christian that doesn't crumble. He bears fruit, right? Every, every branch that bears fruit, he purges, which means he trims it clean. That's what we're talking about. Like when you go down there on them trees, like Miss Lou wants me cutting those trees, trimming the, trimming the stuff around so it can grow. Uh, in your life, in the, the branch of your life, so to speak, that's in the vine of Christ, when, when you come and if, if something is hindering you from bearing that fruit, the Father is the good gardener. He loves you. He's going to come and He's going to trim whatever that is around you in your life to get it out of the way. And sometimes that's painful, isn't it? When He comes, sometimes for a believer, let, let's just use this, what we're talking about here. Uh, we're talking about when you when you uh, allow something to get in the way of your communion with Christ, your relationship with Christ, your dependence on Christ, um, if it stays there and it, it the, the you're not depending on Christ, you're going to wither and die. And you'll be cut off and thrown into the fire. But for the true branch that bears fruit, when something comes, an obstacle comes and gets in the way, when I allow something to get in the way of my communion with Christ, my relation with Christ, my dependence upon Christ, the Father's going to come along and He's going he's to cut that out of it. Whatever it may be. You know, if it's, if it's my own comfort, it's my own pleasure, my own work, my own whatever. Whatever it is that gets in the way of me receiving that life, that continuous flow of, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness from Christ, He's going to come along and He's going to prune it. He's going to trim it clean. That's what that word means, purges, to trim it clean. That word, the, the root of that word that says purgeth in chapter, verse 2 is the same root that's used in verse 3 when it says, now you are clean. Through the word which I have spoken to you. So what does God use to trim us clean? He uses the word. He uses that word. And that's his, that's his shears, so to speak, that, that cut away the dead parts of our life. Cut away the things that hinder growth. When something hinders your growth, just like uh, something hinders the, the growth of, a, of the branches on a vine, the, the gardener comes along and he cuts those dead things off so that the branch can grow, so that fruit can be, can be uh, bore from that branch. Make sense? It's good news, though. It is good news. Because I'd rather... Yeah, well, yes, and the difference between being trimmed up and being cut off, cast in the fire is the fruit bearing. If there's no fruit, there's no life. And so, technically, you're not really even part of the vine because you're cut off from the vine. You're not getting life to the you're not getting life to the branches. So, if there's no fruit, there's no life. But when there is fruit, it says he cuts off the things that will bear more fruit. Does that make sense? 
So we're not talking about oh, if you don't act right, God's going to cut you off and you're going to lose your salvation. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's saying. He's using the vine as a picture to show them you need, if you're going to bear fruit for me, if you're going to have this love, this joy that we have, you're going to have to stay connected to me. You're going to have to abide in me. That's how he phrases it. You're going to have to be completely and utterly dependent on me because I am the one that produces love, joy, peace, patience. I'm the one that produces that. You are the branch. If, I, if, if you're separated from the vine, you produce absolutely nothing. So if you cut yourself off from Christ, if you, if you decide to try it on your own, however, whatever, however you want to phrase that, you will produce absolutely nothing. You will have no joy. You will have no peace, no patience, no kindness, no nothing. You'll have nothing. It's the vine that produces those things and you produce them. The branch produces fruit because it's connected to the vine. That's a whole. That's a whole lot. Us, like me and you, or just us, like, well, like no, like you and I. You know, we were at a different church. You know, we were very active in that church and things, but we were lost. God wouldn't have, as hard as it was with that move at first, move us. We may never have found Christ. We would have been there floundering. You know, that's. When you got saved and I got saved and he removes things from our life and I'm looking at it too, he removes people from our lives too that hinder our growth and that's very hard for us as humans when he starts to pluck in people out of our lives that we're close to and different things. That's that yeah. I was just thinking while you were saying I was like, Where'd Fred go? <laughs> He's like, that's it. But not always. I mean, like, just because someone's not in your life anymore, you can't always go, God plucked him out for my own good. Yeah, we know. He have a tendency to show us sometimes if things are hindering. Yeah. It could be circumstances. It could be people. It could be all kind of things in your life. Or it could be just traits that you have, you know, personality things, you know, like when you start, you know, if... Uh, I'm not going to start telling you all my, my traits. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes being disciplined doesn't feel good, and that's the point of being disciplined. When you spank your children, the point is not for them to enjoy it. It is to teach them and to grow them and to, you know, or however you discipline. If you don't spank them, whatever, you know, whatever it is you do, Valerie, you give them a stern talking to. Valerie's on me about spanking. She, you were. Yeah, that's right. Discipline is executed. Maybe not in the form of spank. Right. But discipline yeah, certainly is executed. That's right. And discipline is not enjoyable for the one being disciplined, but it's good for them. It's that's the definition of discipline is to pull them back, not just punishment, but to pull them back into the right path. Do you spank your children? Oh, yeah. Tw- at least twice a day. Because I, I probably missed something. They did something when I wasn't looking. I want to make sure I got it. <laughs> no, he's not telling us. Yes, we do spank our children. Sometimes they need spankings and we've done everything else. But he doesn't spank us twice a day. He spanks us. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the discipline. Well, you, you have to figure out. Right, right. Whether it is grounding or taking stuff away, it's about... It's about teaching them the right way. It's Right. Okay. So that's what it's saying here, that God is going to come along 
And anything that's hindering you, anything that's getting in the way of righteousness, in the way of growth, the way of bearing fruit, he's going to cut that out of the way. You know, and it, a lot of times it doesn't feel good, but a lot of t- that's what he does. He trims clean, gets stuff out of the way. Uh, he will chastise those that he loves. That's what the Bible tells us. Um, and it's his word that he uses to do this. Now, this is very important. In, cha- in verse 3, it says, you are clean by the word that I've said. And that word, like I said, clean is the same root that is used in the purge. So he's talking about, hey, I'm, think of it this way. He says, the, the Father's going to come along and clean all the things that are hindering you. And then he, the next line, he says, and you are clean by the word that I've spoken to you. And so what he's telling them there is how the Father's going to do it. Now think about this. If you come, let's say you come to the class and it's all good and you know I'm the best teacher in the world. Just pretend. I can teach you all about what the Bible says. I can teach you what words mean. I can teach you all about context and historical accuracy and what's going on. You will leave this class knowing your Bible better than you ever did before. <laughs> But can I help God speak to you by doing all that? No. You've got to take the Word of God yourself, and you've got to take it, and you've got to hear God speaking for yourself. I can tell you what God has said in His Word, but as far as personal relationship, communion with Christ, growing in Him, I can't... I can't... You know, I can't be God in your life. Does that make sense? I can tell you what words mean and those kind of things, but if you want to hear God speak to you, if you want to have that growing of relationship, you know, you have to spend time with God. You have to listen to His voice. And sometimes He'll say, you know, for example, sometimes, and I don't want to get too far on this tangent because the Bible means what it means, and you can't say, well, it means this and this and this and this and this. But, you know, there have been times when I have read verses that I've read a hundred thousand times, maybe not that many, and uh, God spoke to me in a different way based on a situation that was going on right then in my life, and He used that verse in a way that I never really thought was, you know, that I never would have taken it before, and He spoke to me that way. And so when we study the Scripture, it's not all about learning the history and learning the context and learning all. I, I love those things. I spend my life doing those, so I'm not saying anything wrong with that. But it's about God speaking to you. And if you cut yourself off from that relationship with God, then you're cutting yourself off from the joy that you used to have that you don't have anymore, the love that you used to have that you don't have anymore, all those things that you're saying, you know, I'm not as zealous as I used to be. You know why? Because you're not desperately dependent on Christ anymore. You've cut yourself off from that communion with Him, from that enjoying that relationship with Him. Dana and I have a relationship, and it grows because we spend time together. We talk to each other, all that kind of stuff. If I never spoke to her, but I got Jacob to speak between us, I would send Jacob a message. He would give it to her. She would send Jacob a message. He would give it to me. Uh, We could find out information about us all the time, but our relationship would never grow, not even an inch. Why? Because we're not together. We're just passing messages through somebody else. See what I mean? See what I mean? Makes sense? So it says, my word is the thing that cleans you. All right. Verse, I need to hurry up. Verses 14 through 17 basically is Jesus telling us how to abide in him. How? 
how we are to do that. So I'm going to go kind of fast through there. If you need, if you need to stop me, just stop me. Uh, verses four through five, we've already read those a minute ago. It says, "You got to abide in me, and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, you cannot bear fruit either except you abide in me. You cannot produce love. You cannot produce joy. You cannot produce patience. Get it in your mind right now." When it comes and you feel like, you know what, I'm not as zealous, I'm not as joyful, I'm not as loving as I used to be, or, or I'm not as loving as I want to be, understand right off the bat, if you go at it like I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps and do it, you're going to fail every time. Every single time. You are a branch in the vine. You cannot produce fruit without being connected to the vine. The life that's in the vine is what produces fruit through the branch. Okay, with me? But those that are abiding in the vine are guaranteed to produce fruit. It says, and I in him, the, it says, I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. It says, if you're abiding in me and I'm abiding in you, you will bring forth fruit. You will bring forth love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And those things will manifest themselves in outward fruit working in your life as you work for Christ and work for his kingdom. And so Jesus says that those that are not abiding can't produce. And those that are must produce. Now, there are things that get in the way of you producing those fruits. But what happens when something gets in the way for a fruit-bearing branch? The Father comes and prunes those things so that you can bear more fruit. In verse 6 it says, it says, uh, If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and withered. We talked about that. Men gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Make sure you connect verse 8 with that as well. Herein is my Father glorified. That you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, did he admit, when he said that, did he mean that if you abide in me and you study my word, you can ask me for a Rolls Royce and I'll give it to you? No. Is that what it means? No. Why is that not what it means? Because that will not glorify the Father. Whatever he's talking, when he says you can ask what you will, he's talking about producing fruit, glorifying the Father. That's what he's talking about. And that is the, uh, that's the desire of a believer's heart. Why? Because he says, if my words abide in you. If my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will. And the, the connection is that uh, because you have my words in you, you're asking the things that are according to my will. See what I mean? Sometimes the worst thing that can get in your way is lots of money. You know, like uh, I know for me, the worst thing God could possibly do in my life is give me $10 million. Because I would... Just from person, my personality, that would get in the way of my relationship with God. It just would. I try as I might for it not to, I guarantee it would because I'm already thinking about stuff I'd go buy. You know, stuff that I would love and have, you know, it would just, it would be, be a thing. And so, you is, is it is it things that you would buy or is it that you would feel, I've got this, I'm comfortable, I don't need him? Yes. D, all of the above. When he gives it to me, I could do that. So, if I'm, so if I'm fruit, 
No, you're the branch on his vine, producing fruit. Branch, producing fruit. And my, de- my desire, my design is to produce fruit. Right. So, if I'm asking what I will, by design, I'm asking what's going to develop more fruit. Exactly. Exactly. That's your purpose, to, to bear fruit. And that fruit, he's going to tell us, uh, if we can get to it, so toward the end, he's going to say... The point is, what I'm asking for is things that's going to bear more fruit. Right, for the kingdom. Not You're going to be bearing fruit. Right, right, right. Uh, yeah, that's exactly what he's saying. Toward the end here, he's going to say, I've chosen you. You've not chosen me. I've chosen you that you bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. And so that's the purpose. So if his words abide in you, the, the, uh, the implication is that the things that you're asking are in accordance with his word. Does that make sense? Well, to me, I took it as, and I may be wrong, that the things that we should ask for is the things that will cause us to bear more fruit. That's exactly what he said. That's what, yeah. That's exactly right. I agree with that. Okay, let's uh, seven eight. We are talk. We, we're to glorify the Father. We should bear much fruit, and then it says at the end of verse eight, "So shall ye be my disciples." That's tacked on to the end of that sentence to say that the true disciple of Christ is bearing fruit. Does that mean you go feeding the homeless and you're going doing this and you're going to do that? Uh, sometimes, yes, but more specifically, the fruit is in your hearts: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's bearing those things. The true disciple. How can he say that all disciples are bearing those things when he's already said that if you cut yourself off, you're going to wither? Because you're abiding in him, and if something gets in the way, what happens? It's not. It's pruned by the Father. It's disciplined. It's taken out of the way. So all disciples will produce fruit. And if you cut yourself off from the vine, you will wither. But if you are a true disciple, anything that stops you from bearing fruit will be cut out of the way by the Father. Okay? Um, Here is my Father glorified. We read that. Verse 9 says, As the Father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So now we get to some definitions. How do I keep myself in the vine? How do I abide in Him? How do I abide in His love? What does it say? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. It says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now that's very important. Is He saying, if you fail to keep one of my commandments, I'm going to cast you out and throw you into the depths of hell? No, He's saying you should have a desire and want to keep. He's talking about, yes, that's true. He's talking about the complacent love of the Father, not the salvific way. He's talking about when you when you obey God, you just have that feeling that God's pleased. You know, like he said with Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He says, in the same way that keeping his commandments will allow you to abide in his love, It's the same way that Jesus keeping the Father's commandments allows him to abide in the Father's love. Jesus was never in in danger of being cast out of the Father's whatever. 
But by the things that Jesus did, the father looked down and said, this is my son. I'm well pleased when he was baptized. When he came to the Mount of Transfiguration and spoke God's word, the father said, this is my son. I'm well pleased in him. Listen to him. You know, and so when it says keep his commandments, by keeping his commandments, you uh, you abiding in his love. And then in verse 11, he wants you to make sure that you understand what he's talking about. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. You have that feeling like my, I'm not as joyful as I was. I'm not, you know, things are withering away. What's happening is you're cutting yourself off from the vine. You're not, you're not uh, following Christ's words. You're not following his commandments. And then just in case you have, you're starting to think of all the 10 commandments. Well, I've kept this one and I've kept this one. Jesus says in verse 12, this is my commandment. And what is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. That's His commandment. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life. Man lay down his life for his friends. Not only are you to love one another, but you're to love one another sacrificially. Is it possible to love Jesus, live for Jesus, and serve Jesus without loving Jesus' bride? Serving Jesus' bride, being with you? No, it's not possible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You cannot have Jesus in relationship with you and deny relationship with Jesus' people. Does it have to be these people here at Christ Church? No. No. It's who? Wherever you fellowship with, wherever you fellowship at, those are the people that you invest in. What does it mean to love one another as I have loved you? What's Jesus talking about? Serving them. Um, you talk about sacrificing. I mean, any one person here could, you know, become super bully and sacrifice you. It's a willing sacrifice. You know, you willingly sacrifice your time, your effort, well, your talent. I mean, it goes yes. right back to God's word. You die to who you are. Yeah. And you and you take up your cross. You you take everything that that the Lord is giving that desire, like Daniel's talking about. Your wants, your needs, your heart changes. You know, it's no longer what makes Jennifer happy anymore. It's who I am through God. Right. Through Christ. Sure. To serve God. Yeah. Now, why why do you think he didn't say love God? Because that will come naturally. Because he said, this is my commandment, and it should be, you'll abide in me if you just love God. He didn't even say that at all. He said, this is my commandment. That you love one another. Because that is hard. Yeah, it's easy. You throw a rock and you go hit somebody in the head and say, Oh, I love God. I love Jesus. But it's harder to find somebody that says, I love Jesus as people. Yeah, and most times they throw rocks at you or me. And so. Love me now. Yeah, it doesn't usually work that way. It doesn't usually work that way. Esteeming them more than you. Like, yes, it's serve. It's it's placing them. I always say you've heard the golden rule is do unto others what you'd have them do. The platinum rule is what Paul said in Philippians chapter two. He said, "Let each man esteem others better than himself." And when you do that, when you do that, it demonstrates. It's not just a you know we can deceive ourselves about how much we love. The reality is. I can tell you if I look at your checkbook for any given week and I'll tell you what you love most in this world. 
I guarantee you I will. And you cannot dispute. You can say, oh, but I love. I don't care. I can look at what you do, who you are, and I can tell you what you love most in this world. I guarantee it. It's a fact. And so you can say, oh, I love God. The disciples, if Jesus would have said, hey, love God, they would all say, I love God. We love God. Not just a few chapters ago, they were arguing about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. And so, but they would all say they love God. But when you demonstrate your love for God by loving the people that God loves, even when they're hard to love, that shows a a fruit that comes from a supernatural place, not just from myself. That makes sense? And it goes into a love of, I'm sorry. I'm trying to listen. Y'all find it out. Arm wrestling, see who gets to talk first. Jennifer wins. It goes into a love of, you you love love your brethren even when they don't deserve it. Because, I mean, when you break it down, I don't deserve God's love. Yeah. So, you know, that's showing who He is through you when you love your brethren and serve your brethren even when they don't deserve it. Right. Now, connect that with what He's been talking about. This is my commandment that you love one another. And that's how, that's how we abide in the vine. That's how we abide in His love. How do they connect together? Because when we started, we've got to go, let's continue this next week. We'll just, instead of doing the next one. Don't try to take it fast. I'm not. I'm going to say we're going to continue next week. <laughs> well, I do. I got to be, I got, I got seven minutes to have everything tuned up, ready to roll. Okay. And so we, I need, I need to go and let y'all go. We got started late because of breakfast and all that anyway. So we'll continue this discussion.